What's good, and welcome to episode 17 of the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia, here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops Guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P. Moore? What up, homie? How are you What's doing good, this Wednesday? Guy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, we had another, it's another classic Wednesday here on uh, on uh, the pod where I've got a Knicks game right before the podcast, and they get off to a nice lead and uh, by you know, end of the third quarter, they've given it all up. So it's turning into a little tradition. I'm going to miss it when, uh, yeah, so when the next typical, are... typical Wednesday in helmets, hoops and homies land. So yeah, exactly. So I've another, probably got another stinker bockers debacle. Huh? Yep. Got two more games of them before I can go all nuggets mode. So there you go. Um, but yeah, you want to, uh, you want to kick us off today? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about what we're drinking. I got me, I got a classic here. I got me a cherry, Cherry limeade. Ooh, ready for pop. Oh, I love here. a cherry limeade. Yeah. That's good. I got. I you went out, you actually went out. Dedication. Yeah. Got got a fresh brew. So what do you got? I had to make an emergency run. Uh, so I got a, a Tivoli. Um, it's called Hazy in Love. It's a pun on Crazy nice. in Love. Nice. Um, but it's like a hazy IPA. Nice hazy IPA. So looking forward to to trying one of these. Uh, a little local local Denver brew. Let's I mean, you gotta, you gotta you gotta support the local brew. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, of course. So let's uh, let's get it popping. All right. All right. Wonderful. Let's do it. So we are on episode seventeen. So as we've been doing the last few shows, and this is gonna be our tradition until we get to probably episode one hundred, and then we'll have to just do double zeros. And after that, we're kind of out of it. So for the foreseeable future, uh, we're gonna get to some famous or some notable uh, number seventeens. So we'll start off with the NFL. So uh, we got Harold Carmichael, Don Meredith, Jake DeLome, or Del Homie, as I like to call him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also got Plaxico Burris, was a number 17. And we have Phil Rivers, Old Man Rivers, as Tony yep. Gonzalez likes to call him. And then for some uh, some current players, we have Devontae Adams. Of course, I, he actually, I actually looked it up to make sure he was still wearing 17 with uh, – with Las Vegas, and he is. He's going to wear 17 again, so he's still going to be 17 this year. And then, uh, you know, just this guy that we really like, you know, Stud Allen, Josh Allen. So Yeah, he's I mean, fine. He's, he's only the greatest Wyoming <laughs> football player of all time. So. Greatest <laughs> Yeah, he's the pride of Wyoming, just like, you know, the two of us. So Stud Allen, 17, Devontae Adams, two uh, guys with Hall of Fame trajectories. So 17 is a good number for current players yes. especially. And a lot of really yeah. good guys in that list, too. Um, Blacksco obviously had the biggest catch of his life in that Super Bowl against the Patriots with the Giants. Jake Dillahomey went to a Super Bowl with the, with the Panthers. He's a really pretty solid, um, pretty solid, you know, starter here and there. He's kind of like, a, I guess you could say like a Jimmy G type of guy. He's like that type of talent. He had like a lower ceiling, but he could get the job done. He's decent enough. I would say another guy's got some Hall of Famers. Phil Rivers is a Hall of Famer to me. So uh, good list. So now we're going to go over to hoops. So in the NBA, there's another some some other good guys on here. So we got uh, Brent Barry, Bones Barry, Rick Barry's son is also a 17. John Barry, his brother, also wore 17 for a while. Oh. And then we have a uh, John Havlicek, Hall of Famer, Chris Mullen. Rondo. Yeah, Chris Mullen was a 17. And then we get to uh, – and. Want to be more special here on the show already? Jeremy Lin was seventeen. 
uh, P. Moore had Lynn Sanity. Yeah, Lynn Sanity. Lynn Sanity. My guy. Yeah, Lynn Sanity. He caught the fever. So, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. um, those are some of the the famous seventeens uh, of before, and now we got some current seventeens. Uh, not a huge list of players, so I just kind of picked some guys who stood out or notable to us. So, uh, one of them is. Alexei Pokushevsky, so Poku from the OKC <laughs> Thunder, fan favorite. Poku was yeah. very popular when I was at the games, those two games. Yeah. Uh, everybody was loving Poku. He's a fan favorite already. Nice. So Alexei Pokushevsky. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. And we also have uh, Anthony Leon Tucker, better known as PJ Tucker. Which Anthony I looked it Leon. Up. <laughs> Anthony, yeah, I looked it up. PJ stands for Pops Jr., so I think it's his must be a nickname, a family nickname. Maybe after his dad, yeah. maybe his dad's name was that. I'm not sure of the yeah. origin, but it said Pops Jr. on Pro on Pro Basketball Reference or Basketball Reference. So Anthony Leon PJ Tucker is a 17 solid player, and uh, our guy Bonus Jonas Valanciunas is a 17. And uh, yeah, he is. yeah, so some good names, especially historically, some solid names and some solid players now were in 17. So it's not the most popular number I noticed. It's kind of funny when we're doing this, like what numbers are way more popular or worn by more players than others. Like when we had number 12, it was just littered with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yeah. So it's funny like, to see the random numbers. So, wait, so those wait are till our, we, our famous. Yeah, go ahead. Wait, wait till we get to 23 and 33. Uh, 23 <laughs> and 33, man. Yeah, those man. are going to be something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So the. Those are some famous 17s from Hoops and Pigskin. So now nice. we're going to go ahead and uh, get the show started. We got a, hopefully a fun one for you guys. It was fun for us to, to kind of prep on this. So I'm going to kick it over to the Hoops guru, and Pimor is going to do what he does. So. Dope. Well, thanks. Yeah, so we got a big day of shooting hoops. Um, we are really being – we're going to do a hoops-focused episode. It's kind of a slow time in the NFL right now, so it makes sense. Um, but as we're speaking, it's Wednesday, uh, April 6. There are four more days, basically, in the regular season. Um, there's a couple more games that'll dictate kind of, you know, the pecking order in terms of playoff seeds and all that stuff. But um, I think it's an appropriate time for us to make some of our um, year-end uh, picks for these big lists. So there's there's three big lists that the NBA announces at the end of the year, aside from individual awards or like, you know, like MVP or, or defense player of the year. But um, there's basically the all NBA team. There's three, three teams of that first, second, and third. And then there's an all defense team, first and second team, and then an all rookie team. So we're going to go through and give our picks for that. Um, given, you know, it is a, there are a couple more games left technically, but I think we could feel pretty good about kind of where we're at with all of these picks. So um, we got lots to get to, so I, I won't waste any more time here. Um, but I did just want to kind of lay out the parameters, the criteria for selecting players. We'll start, let's start with uh, all NBA, just cause that's, that's the big one. Um, the way the league puts it on the ballots, there are two guards, two forwards, and a center. Those are the positions they ask you to do. That being said, a lot of times they like will list certain guys at forward, even though they clearly are not forwards or list guy at guard. So we can like, 
I, I feel like I mostly I, I tried to stick by those kind of general parameters, but I didn't stick to them hard. Like if a guy is a big man, I would put him at forward or I'd put him at center. If a guy's like a wing, I can put him at guard. I can put him at forward. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how I went about it. Um, my criteria for selecting players, I did everything holistic. So it was like, I'm taking into account their basic stats. So like box score stats, including like efficiency, but also, um, advanced stats. I'm looking at team success. I'm looking at how many games they played. I'm looking at, you know, all of that stuff when I name guys, um, and sometimes one of those things is more glaring for certain players than it is for others or, or for, for those other things. So um, those are my parameters. But yeah, Matt, you want to talk about like, how did you go about kind of figuring out who to pick here? Um, because I know you're, you're like me, like the positional designations to me don't make any sense. This isn't how like basketball teams are, are formed these days. So it, it, it's kind of it's super outdated. But what, what did you do? Yeah, basically exactly the same way as you did. Uh, I took pretty much everything you can take into account from a basketball standpoint when I was making these picks for these teams. Uh, if it came, For me, when it came down to if there's a couple guys who I was deciding between for one spot, then what I did was I looked at how many games played for those players usually, but also I took into account, okay, it's basically a tie, which team is performing better, which team has a better record, which team – to my, I even went with the eye test, the OG eye test for a lot of these two sometimes because it, it was kind of like neck and neck for a lot of these players because there's so many talented players that could have made these lists. So I did pretty much identical to what you did. And I even I feel like I was a little bit even more lax uh, on the position, the positional designations. I'm really – I'm actually pretty against positions on, on these types of um, all-NBA teams. I feel like they're absolutely pointless because they're not really playing a game. You know, I mean, it's not like the all-star team where they're actually going to play a game. You can have, why can't you have theoretically 15 guards or 15 centers? I mean, that wouldn't happen, of course, because the league is so diverse. But you can have 15 guards. You're not going to play a game. You know what I mean? Why can't you have guys who are all 6'3 or shorter? Because it's, you're just picking, I'm, I'm more of a thing of, I wish we could just pick the top 15 guys in the whole league and be done with it. So I kind of was more lax on that. I didn't completely go, you know, and say I'm good. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do me and skip over all the positional designations. But when it came down to like, okay, this guy's. I'm not gonna leave this player off just because he's another guard and I have two already. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna leave this guy off because he's a forward. I need to have a center. And so I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna do me on that. I'm gonna do what I think is best. So I wish, you know, I'm hopefully. The NBA is really antiquated when it comes to some of this stuff. Like, I feel like they would change a little bit when it comes to these types of things because the fact that we're even having to have a conversation about certain guys that we'll get to about, well, they both play the same position. They're both worthy of the first team, but we can't put them on there. Technically, we can, but we can't. It's just, it's you know, it's stupid. So, I mean, that's what I did with it. And also, uh, it was it was tough. It was some of these, some of these were, it came down to today a few hours before we started recording where I was finally finalizing it. And uh, just to, to wrap up, I would say on every single team that we did, we, we talked about this before we started recording, there was at least one, one really hard um, spot to fill because there was usually a couple guys, a couple players that could have deserved that position, but we had to only pick one. So there was one tough decision on every one of the teams, which I think is good. It shows how deep talent level is and, and, and hoops. 
So yeah, I, we pretty much on the same page, my guy, with all this too. Yeah, gotcha. I, I mean, it, it was. It's also hard because it was a weird year with like guys missing time for COVID, guys missing time. Um, you know, there were there were the normal amount of injuries, but on top of that, like the all the COVID, like if they were within six feet of someone who was, you know, tested positive, then they have to sit out. So even that, like. I, usually games played is big for me. Like, I think if you're going to be, you know, honored, like you need to play the games. Like you don't just get to sit and rest and take a quarter of the season off or whatever. But this year I had a little more leeway with that because of all the COVID stuff and how weird of a year it was. And really like all these guys, there are very few who have played like 90% of their games. So, um, yeah, why don't I, I want to hear yours first, homie? Because I'm, I'm, I, I have a feeling. I think I know what yours is, but I, I want to see if I'm surprised. Because you always, sometimes you'll have like a little surprise in there for me, and I, I never, I never know it's coming. So, um, why don't you kick us off? Who, who's on your first team All NBA? This is actually a team that I, I actually changed. I changed one player out on this one today. So we, if we had mm. recorded this last night, it would have been different. Today, I. I watched a couple more hoops games last night, when, especially between okay. the two players who I was deciding. And that was like, I was like, you know what? This this player needs to be first team. They had to just have to be. Their season is just this. So I went with that. So um, no order, because I guess I didn't really do positions too much. I just kind of wrote them down as it came to me. So uh, my first guy, I have, uh, I got DeMarvelous. I got DeMar DeRozan. I have uh, the two-way J. Bacon Tatum, the Green Goblin, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. I have. I got uh, the Greek Freak, the freaking champion, Yannis Antetokounmpo. I have. I have Nick the Pick, or as my homie likes to call him, Big Honey, Nikola Jokic. And at five, um, I went ahead and trusted the process. I have Joel Embiid, the process, as mine. So my top five again: Demar Derozan, Jason Tatum, Yannis Antetokounmpo. Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid is my all right. NBA all NBA first team. All right. Well, there was there's one surprise. I, I guessed four out of five right. Um, the one who I who I I I didn't guess was uh Jason Tatum, but you're not gonna hear a peep of an argument from me. That dude's been awesome this year. Um it, it, first team was hard. I I I want I thought Tatum deserved to be on there, but as you'll see, like I could, I could, I did flex some positional stuff in this, but um, yeah, he, he didn't make my first team. So here's mine. It's very similar to yours. Just that, that we're one off. Um, so I've got DeMar DeRozan. I, I put him in a guard spot for whatever that's worth. Nothing really, but um, I put him in guard. Uh, Giannis. Onto the Kumpo at a forward spot. I put Nico Jokic at a forward spot, which also doesn't make any sense. Um, and then Joel Embiid at center. So I had the three MVP. I'm, it's all NBA first team. I'm going to get the three best guys in the league on there. And they all play the same position, basically. So I don't care. I'm just going to I'm just gonna do it. So so we got those big three. Demarvelous. The guy who made my first team was Luka Doncic, um, which might be a surprise to you. I'm like... I like Luca. Um, I, I get a little tired of his antics a lot of the time, but um, 
I don't know. I just been I had been watching some highlights. I'd been looking at his stats. I'm looking at the, where the Mavs are in the standing, like in the race for the number two seed in the West, or number three seed, excuse me. Um, and yeah, he's just had a great year. And he's one of these guys who this might be fully recency bias because he had an awful start to the year. Remember that? Like he was terrible out of the gate. He was out of shape. Um, was not shooting well terrible like body language like looked like he didn't want to be there I, I didn't forget any of that but the way he's like kind of just gotten better throughout the season and how the Mavs have gotten a lot better especially since trading Porzingis to me like that offense is Luca that's it I mean Jalen Brunson's got a little stuff he can make some stuff happen but like he's overtaxed as the second guy Spencer Dinwiddie same thing so it's really Luca and other guys like operating around him. And to me, that's what that's what puts him above a lot of other guys who I wanted to put on the first team, but just couldn't. It's that like he's the center of the offense. He makes everything happen, even if it's not always pretty. Um, so I went with Luca, but I definitely see your your Tatum pick and don't don't uh, have any arguments for you there. He he's had he's been great too. It's just too many, too many guys and two little spots. Yeah, no, um, no argument for me and your first team. All very well deserving guys. The only one that we that we differed on was was Tatum and Doncic. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the Doncic thing is great player, phenomenal talent. I just I just want to see more dedication. I want to see more drive from this from this guy. I know he loves to play the game, but sometimes I don't get that from him on an entire season basis. And I want to see him put in that work because he's, I mean, this him coming in where he wasn't as prepared and locked in as he needed to be. And you can see how good he can be. I want to see that, you know, 82 games. I mean, he'll have to play every game, but I want to see that a full season. I want to see him come next off season and be like, yo, I'm going to try to win the MVP this year. He was a bet. He was a, a betting favorite for what that's worth, which is nothing to me because a lot of the, Odds makers, I don't feel like they watch sports when they make these these picks, but uh, he was the odds-on favorite to win the MVP last year, and it just didn't happen. It wasn't he wasn't really mm-hmm. close to me at all. He's closer actually this year than he was last year to me. Yeah, I agree. To win the MVP, and he's still not close. So uh, phenomenal talent. Um, the same thing with you. I, I get the antics, the 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 carring to the refs a little bit, the officiating. Yeah, it's, everything's it's a foul. Everything's it's, a foul, and the same terrible. thing goes for guys like Earthworm Jim. Is another one like that. Even and I love him. Sometimes I feel like Nick the Pick does that a little bit too much for my liking mm-hmm. too. I'm just like, yo, he does. just play. It's all sure good. Just, just, just do you. You know what I mean? You're dominant. You're amazing. Just it's going to be all right. You're going to get calls. So, but like a lot that, of these guys I mean, do that. Yeah, a lot of the guys do it now too. And it, yeah. it, it uh, Orange Julius, another guy who does it all the time. Oh my god, it, it's it gets on my nerves a little bit. It's just like you Me know too. what? Me you're too. a superstar. Right. I don't understand if you're a guy scraping by here. You're a superstar. You're going to be all right. You're going to get calls. But, like, yeah, all that to say is that the, the the beginning of the year was just so – he was just so off. You know what I mean? Like, you could just tell he just wasn't – he wasn't where he needed to be in any form, you know, mentally, physically, probably even emotionally, coming off of, you know, coming into the season. I just was, It was disappointing. I feel like a lot of people were talking about that, and I agreed with it. So I just feel like that I couldn't – that's what kept him off for me. I think if he had been playing at a similar clip the entire season, he could have made it. But for me, but also a very similar argument I understand could be made for Jason Tatum. 
Um, we even talked about in the show several times the leprechauns that man, the leprechauns stink so far. They're really bad. Yeah, they were Tatum, really the first game of the year, he was terrible. You know what I mean? Because we were talking about yeah. that. Man, he looks horrible. Jalen Brown had a great game. Yeah, Jalen Brown about, looked like looks the better Jay. Yeah. yeah. I want to say he shot like in the 30s, I want to say percent was really bad. And the, they were talking about we talked about him on the show a whole bunch of times. I want to at least a couple of times about Boston, like uh Udoka, we don't know what's going on there with that. We don't know what's going on with Smart calling these guys out and all that. But I just feel like with me, the thing that put Tatum on my list, and he actually wasn't a bubble guy. Uh, the Marvelous was a bubble guy for me. And we'll get to, when we get to the second team, I'll tell you why. So I'll save that for the second team. But um, for me, about Tatum, he's just been he's been putting his team on his back a lot of times. Brown's been kind of in and out a little bit with with injury. And then you see now that you got uh, Time Lords going out, and the Celtics are still balling, man. And their defense. And the thing I love about Jason Tatum is he's a two-way player in every. And what well, we love that we love two-way guys, really good defender, great wing defender, and he's just been balling out, man. If you look at like his last, his splits, the last ten games have been phenomenal. This guy's just dropping points in the thirties, high high twenties, consistently sharing the rock. You know what I mean? Playing D getting back on defense. He's not just, oh, I missed a three. Let me jog back up. He's like, no, I'm going to get back, cover one of your best guys, and I dare you to score on me. And I really respect that. So I think um, if he I think if he had had a better start to the season, similar to Doncic, I think he could have been the MVP conversation. I really do. And I think I feel pretty confident in saying that um, the Green Goblin, Jason Tatum, will be, if he plays as well as he's playing now, any any similarity, he will be in the MVP conversation next year if he can keep this up. He's just a phenomenal talent, and I really seen a lot of growth from him this year. Like we're, he's finally, finally that guy that we all thought that he could be. I feel like he's that guy now. He's gonna mm-hmm. keep getting better. He's still so young. I think he's twenty three years old. So for him to be ready to be that guy, because we're like, you know, can he be that number one option? Can him and Brown coexist? And I feel like they can now. You know what I mean? He's finally taking over the role. Like yo, like. There was a really funny story before we move on to the second team of he was uh, I think him and Joel Embiid had the same agent and uh, his agent was with Joel Embiid and Tatum called him for whatever reason. And he said to put the phone on speaker and he told the process, he goes, yo, I hope you win MVP this year because I'm going to win it next year. I just love that, 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 that competitive fire. You know what I mean? I like that. I like a guy that's like, you know, I, I, I've arrived. I know, I know the type of player I am. I'm going to do me. So I want to reward that, right? I've seen a huge amount of growth. He obviously puts in the work. So I was like, you know what? Tatum's got to be a first team for me. And Boston has just shot up the standings. They have a really good chance to get the two seed. So that that's my rationale for it. But I feel you on why he went with Doncic. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with his talent, his ceiling. So that that's that's my rationale. But we're pretty much spot on for the first teams. And I, I don't have any, any sort of problem at all with yours. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The only thing I'll mention, I, I think like people can quibble with having both Jokic and Embiid, like because they're both clearly centers, right? They're centers, but I mean, I just don't care. I, they they both like could, Nikola Jokic could play forward if he wanted to. You could play him next to another big man. They, they in fact they did. They used to play him next to Yusuf Nurkic in the early days. So, um, and I I just I want to have the best guys. The, the one that, like, maybe would be even more controversial, though, is maybe DeMar. 
and not even controversial. Just there's a lot of good guards that that are deserving of being on the first team. And I haven't seen DeMar DeRozan on a lot of other people's like all NBA watch lists for first team. I mean, he's heavily on second or third teams, um, usually second, but I don't see him on the first team a lot. And I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to overlook the fact that the Bulls last year missed the play in. So they were an 11th seed or worse. And then they go out and get DeMar DeRozan. And they're now a top six team. And he's been the constant factor. Levine's been in and out. Caruso's been in and out. Um, Lonzo Ball's been mostly out, um, right? Like there's been a lot of a lot of um, a lot of movement in that team. Um, even like Io is new, right? Like it was it's his first year, but he's just carried that team. I mean, he's just like a smooth twenty five to thirty points a night with like sometimes bigger scoring outputs. And he's been the best clutch player in the league. And like I said, this is holistic, right? That matters. Like the guy who's best in the last five minutes of close games is one of the best players in the league. That's like the guy you want the most, right? So to me, um, he's just been so good in the clutch. And he's carried this team. This team he put the team on his back. He's 32 years old. People had kind of written him off. Um, and I'm giving him his flowers here. He, he, he definitely earns it. Now, there are some other good cards we'll get to that people might say, like, had to be on our first team, you know, but this is all opinion. This is all based on how, you know, bias. No one has the same list. So um, why don't you give me then, homie, your second team? We'll see how close we are on this one. I We might get some more variation here. Who knows? Okay. So my second team, uh, I got Luka Doncic. And then I have Demetrius, Jamel, Morant, Jalapeno, John Morant. I have. I got the Slim Reaper, Kevin Durant. Uh, I got Carlos Antonio Pueblos, Carl Anthony Towns, Cat. And then the one that I had swapped with the Marvelous is James and the Giant Peach, as I like to call him, Devin Booker. And I'm gonna I'll give my rationale right quick, just to, so I, since you were talking about the Marvelous anyway, so. I initially had Booker on my first team because, I mean, the Suns are just, you know, they're bombs away right now. They're just killing it in the league. They're easily the best team in the league record-wise, picking up where they left off last year. So I wanted to reward that. But this was the one where I was I was splitting hairs. They're both – I think Devin Booker was more than deserving of the first team to me. But the reason why I went with the Marvelous over him is – Slightly better, slightly higher scoring. I think DeMarvis is right around 28. And it's 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 not it's not very it's close. I want to say Booker might be 27 at this point. It's like splitting hairs. But the thing, the the clutch, how clutch he's been, and this guy is just carrying the Bulls. Like they're just the Bulls have just been terrible. I mean, we got to keep it real here. The Bulls have been absolutely awful this after the all-star break. They've been bad. They were bad going into it. And I watched a game yesterday. Because like I said, this is this is fluid. I watched the game yesterday, and he had half the team's points. And the Bulls are getting killed against Milwaukee. They're just they're just getting stomped. And he had half their points. He's still trying. He's going out there. He's doing what he's doing. He had a really great stat I found on him. He had 40 yesterday. That was his third game of 40 plus points without making a three. Insane. Without a three, <laughs> without a three ball. In today's NBA, he had he dropped 43 times. 
in today's NBA, that's crazy. So that tells you how like lethal automatic this guy is from the mid-range. His mid-range is phenomenal. Yeah, I think he I think he might him. I'd say him, Slim Reaper, and probably Chris Middleton might be the best mid-range shooters in basketball. Definitely the I'd top add, two. I'd add Chris Paul in there. Too. Chris Paul, yeah, Chris Paul is, is automatic there too. Those yeah. those guys, you think about like, man, from 15 feet, it's just it's sweet. And it's it's automatic. You almost you don't even have to look sometimes, you know what's gonna go in. Like, I mean, if you see, you know, if you see Slim Reaper pull up to the elbow, you know that shot's yeah, going in. It's over. I mean, well, first of all, <laughs> he's so much taller and longer than everybody else. But Damar, when he gets to like that the elbow, I'm like, oh, that's that's him. Yeah, you know and what I mean? what's amazing with him is he doesn't do it with the like size the way Durant does. He doesn't do it with explosiveness necessarily. He just does it with footwork. Just pure it's all skill. footwork. It's, it's just, just a pure skill. It's just so it's fundamental. Just, yeah. It's incredible. It just screams yeah. to me, guy putting time at the gym, just mm-hmm. putting up shots, thousands and thousands and thousands of shots. And he just got better and better. And he's had a career, he's had a career renaissance. I feel like he's just, you know, he was in the MVP conversation to the Bulls just completely fell apart. And I think, I think I had to, I wanted to reward that. He's basically carrying this team. He's been phenomenal all year long. The Bulls record is very deceptive. If you look at that, oh, they're the sixth seed now. They're going to probably be the sixth seed going into the playoffs. But I wanted to reward how great he's been this year. He's been phenomenal. And that's why I put him over Booker. Booker, I mean, obviously, they're, like I said, the best team in the league. Booker's a great player. I would like to see him get his assist numbers up a little bit. I think he's too good of a player to only be averaging five, five, five assists. I want to say he's around 27. Could be wrong on the points. It's, it's between 25 and 27-ish, five and five. I, I would like to say that assist gets to seven or eight. He's too good to only be averaging five assists a game. You know what I mean? Especially think about how many shots he takes every game. I want to see him get his guys involved. He's on a fantastic team. He can get that up a little bit for me. So that's why I'm thinking about, you know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Demar here, but yeah, well deserving. So I just want to get into the why that was the one that I kind of slept on. I'm like, you know what? I watched the games, both of them last night, to see you know what's what am I seeing here with the eye test. So that one came down to the eye test. So that was like an OG, um, the decider. So really quick, I'll recap my second team. So my second team is Luka Doncic, James and John Peach, Devin Booker, uh, John Morant, Kevin Durant, Carl Anthony Towns is my uh, All-NBA second team. So, Hoops Guru, who do you got on your second team? So, we're we're in sync again tonight. Um, that that Same thing. It, we just had uh, Luka and Tatum switch. That was the only difference between our first two teams. So, I had, I had Ja. So, Ja was someone who two weeks ago was on my first team. It's just he's he's now at this point he's missed too many games for me, and his team is like twenty and three without him, and so like that that it, now I'm not trying to say like he's not important to that team or anything he obviously is he's he's like their leader he's there he sets the tone for them, um, but Ja Ja was one I wanted on the first team and and Devin Booker was the other one who I was like yeah like. He, I should I move Demar to forward, but I just really you said it perfectly with Demar. Like I think I just really wanted to have him on my first team just because of the work he's put in, just the the narrative part of it. But everyone else, 
you know, Booker's obviously, you said it, he's had an amazing season um, scoring the ball. They've been pretty, they've survived when CP3 has gone out, which is going to happen a lot. Um, so you got to be good, got to be good there. And it's good. He's been kind of a linchpin for him there. Durant hasn't played a ton of games. He's played like 50, between like 55 maybe and 60. Um, but he's just been so good. Every time he's on the floor, it's there's no like, you know, some guys it's like, ah, oh, they're coming back from injury. They got to ramp up and like get back up to speed. If Kevin Durant just seems like he comes in, just drops a cool 25, 30, and then, and it's done. And it's, it's like he was never gone. Um, Tatum, you, you, you said everything about him. Really good two way player. And it, it, you don't always see that these days. Um, you know, so so that's one. Um, it, like as a young guy to be that committed on both ends of the floor as like a big wing, he he he'll be on a first team at All NBA, um, if not this year, very soon. Um, and like you said, in an MVP conversation, and then the guy I I do want to just talk a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I mean, just to me, he's just clearly been the third best center in the league. And when I say center, I don't include Giannis as a center. This, if it was Giannis, he'd be the third best. But it's he's been the third best, like p- kind of pure center in the league behind Embiid and Jokic. Um, he can do everything those guys can do on offense and a little more as as a shooter. Um, he's not as good defensively as either of those guys, but has gotten better and it's like not a disaster that he has been on that end. Um, and he's just playing with attitude now, confidence, attitude. Um, he's a guy I've always been a huge fan of, so I'm I'm really happy he's he's broken out and the T Wolves are at least in the play-in. I, I expect them to make the playoffs. Um, I expect them to to make it out of the play-in. Um, and yeah, he's a big reason why. So um, yeah, we're we're pretty in sync there. But anything to add about any any of those guys on the second teams? No, just to to uh, to feed off what you were saying. Same logic for me, for for Ja, for Demetrius. <laughs> um, yeah, Demetrius Jamel, Ja Morant. So um, he would have been, he should have been first team if he would have stayed healthy. Uh, he missed a lot of games. I think he's only had 56 games. That's all we're going to have. He's out for the rest of the year to the playoff start. He would have been first team. He was an MVP conversation. So if he had stayed healthy and if he had played, I feel like if he had played uh, maybe in the 60s, higher 60, 63, 62-ish, I could have justified it, but 56, you know what I mean? That's a lot of games missed. What is that, 26 games missed? That's a, that's a what? It's, that's a third. A, it's like a, a third quarter. of the season almost. It's a quarter of the season. If I'm yeah. over a quarter of the season, I just can't do it. But mm-hmm. So that's a shame. So, um, so he's still making some people, as I saw, first team, which is, I mean, I'm not going to have a problem with it. He's been phenomenal this year. So, yeah, but uh, the team's just loaded. So, yeah, he would have been that. Slim Reaper, same thing. If he had stayed healthy and not missed so many games, he would have been the first team, probably. I don't see why he wouldn't have. Uh, he just, you know, you just said it. There's not really much you can say about Kevin Durant. He's just arguably one of the greatest talents we've ever seen on offense. It's just unbelievable sometimes what this guy can do, how, how gifted this guy is. Uh, and same thing, really quick to wrap up with on, um, on Carlos. Uh, the thing with him is that I feel like he's probably going to have to – he's going to probably be a third-teamer because if they're going by the rules here, they're probably going to have to pick between Jokic or Embiid. 
at center, which really stinks because Carlos is having a great year. This is the best year of his career to me. And the thing I like about him is that he's he's become a much better leader this year. And he's his, his motor is finally matching his talent. There's a lot of times where he would be kind of low energy, you know what I mean? And I feel like that the team kind of feeds off your best player, and he's finally playing with swag now, you know what I mean? He's he's joking around, he's playing hard, he's talking trash. He's he's being that he's he's finally embraced that role of what it means to be a face of a franchise, a superstar player. Because the talent's always been there for me. Like if we're starting to, if we had to pick a big to start your team, you're not getting too far down before you get to him. He's amazing. You know what I mean? So I'm finally seeing that. And I think Edwards has had a lot to do with that. I feel like he pushes him to be his best because Edwards wants to be the best player on the team. So I feel like that was a, that's a match made in heaven for them. Uh, given that I know you can say, you know, LaMelo, which I get, but they work really well together, Edwards and, and Towns. So Towns has been, he's become a much better leader. So that's why he had to be second team for me. And like you said, I had to put the the top three MVP guys on my first team. You know, I don't care about the rules. I got I to gotta do that. So Towns was a no-brainer. When I was thinking of second team, no-brainer for me. So that's just my my thoughts on second team. But, yeah, we're, uh, we're uh, getting that synchronicity again, homie. So Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the the third team is – yeah, I don't know. The third team was weird too because they were like – this was the point where I feel like there was a drop-off in talent. Like I probably had like 10 to 12 guys who I was like, these guys are all on the all-NBA team. And then there's like three that are on this third team that it's like, you know, if they didn't make it, I I wouldn't be like super upset or surprised. There's just a lot of good players and, you know, I don't know. A lot of people have missed games, but um, I'll I'll give my third team first. Um, I've got at the first guard spot, Steph Curry. Um, I've got the second guard spot, uh, your guy, Donnie Switch, Donovan Mitchell. Um, I have LeBron James at forward. You're also your guy. <laughs> I've got um, Pascal Siakam at forward. And then I got Rudy Gobert at center. Um, so that's my five team. Before I dive into that, I want to hear yours, though. Yeah, so we're we're not far off. So one of them was surprising. We'll get to that. So my All-NBA third team, I agree with you really quick about the drop-off in terms of this. This one to me is a significant drop-off between first and second team and third team to me. The the 10 guys I feel very, very confident are first and second teamers to me. Third team, like you said, I probably could have put off the top of my head seven guys. I could swap these guys out like chess pieces. You feel me? So um, this is another one that I kind of I, I edited today. Because I was just like, oh. so I went with uh, Stevie Showstopper, Stephen Curry, the basketball Baron, LeBaron James. That was a tough one for me because his team is absolutely atrocious. They're awful. And I actually, yeah. I actually picked him over another guy who we'll mention, whose team is has been a little bit better, but a big disappointment. But his his numbers, I just, I just can't, I can't in good faith, not put him on my third team, because I would feel like a hater. You feel me? Like he's averaging yeah. thirty. He's averaging thirty points a game. I just can't leave him on yeah. high thirteen. You know what I mean? I know they're awful, and they are awful. I just can't do it. He has yeah. to be on there. He might win the scoring title. You know what I mean? He has mm-hmm. to be on there. So that's um, how I feel too. Yeah. So then I got um, 
This is a tough one for me. This is one of the ones I swapped out. I, I got Donnie Switch, Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. and I got Chris Paul made it for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chris Paul, I put on there. I just think that was one of the yeah, rewards. Well yeah. That was a reward for Phoenix. They just, uh, that was more like your team's the best team in basketball. Sure. I want to put you on sense. there. And and I would argue that he's he might not be the best player on the team, but he is easily the most important player on that team. Um, Booker's, I think Booker's is a better player, but Paul is the most important player in that team. I don't think they're this good without Chris Paul, and he has missed time. I understand that. I don't think they're this good without him if he's not on the team at all. So I wanted to reward him, and then I also have uh, Pascal Siakam. Nice, because I'm just like, you know what? I was looking at his numbers. I was I was dissecting it. I'm like, this guy's a good and year. I've been watching him. Like the Raptors have been balling, man. I'm like, this guy's. You know, people were questioning, oh, that Max deal, what are they going to do post, you know, Kawhi Leonard? Yep. And Shackham's kind of been like, yo, I'm, he's, he's been balling out this year. So I wanted to reward him as well. So I got Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Stevie Curry, the basketball Baron, LeBaron James, and Pascal Siakam are my All-NBA third team. Nice. Those are, those are good picks, homie. I like it. Um yeah, you know, I for for CP3 for me, the the reason he's not on here was really just like a positional thing. Like I was just like I think I think the guards have to be Steph and Donovan Mitchell. I just thought they had to be on there. Um so yeah, that 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 makes but it makes sense to have Chris Paul there. And then yeah, LeBron and Pascal Siakam and I put Rudy Gobert on here cuz I needed another center. It was going to be him or Jared Allen um, for me. And so, um, Jared, but Jared Allen ended up missing a bunch of games at the end of the season. So I went with Gobert there. Um, but yeah, don't feel as strongly about that that third team. <clears throat> I think Steph needs to be on it. I think LeBron needs to be on it just for the reasons you mentioned. Like, first of all, they're like two titans of, of the league, but they're also, even by their standards, they had both had down years. They still had really good years and that's just like a, a testament to both of those guys as you know top 10 top 15 hall of fame players um but yeah the other guys i could have taken or leaving i am happy though that pascal siakam's on here i think toronto having a representative um he's a he's just been a baller he's been so good this year and to be honest he was a guy i probably wrote off not like in a big way, but like mentally, I was like, I don't know. I think he's a good player, but I don't know if he's like really a star. Um, Cause he had a couple like kind of mad years, but he's been great this season. He's been their, their primary scorer since he came back playing amazing defense, um, you know, getting eight and a half rebounds, passing the ball, which has always been kind of one of his more underrated skills is his passing ability. Um and yeah, like shooting the ball pretty efficiently. Like he's not going to blow you away. He's not a lights out shooter, but he's really aggressive getting to the basket, um, getting his teammates involved. So I like that he's rewarded on both of our teams. And I, I think he might be on some other folks' teams too, just because people are paying attention to the Raptors a little more now and people are seeing kind of the great work he's doing there. So um, glad we were able to get him but yeah any any comments about me putting uh you know the 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 large snail eater uh Rudy Gobert on there 
Oh, you're muted, homie. It didn't even cross my mind to put Rudy Gobert on, uh, <laughs> on the list. And that's no, I'm not throwing shade at him. I just, Utah hasn't really, they've just fallen apart. And I feel like I already had, uh, between I'm picking, you know, their best players, I had to put Mitchell on there. And that was a, a late substitution, I guess you could say. I swatched yeah. switched somebody out for him. It just Gobert didn't really cross my mind. But I also wasn't doing positions. I feel like if I was doing positions, I might have had to give some more serious consideration to him on there. But uh, I had a couple honorable mentions. Really, really quick, let me actually get to yeah. uh, the only two locks for me on this third team that I feel like had to be on my team were Stevie Curry and the basketball baron. They had to be on my list. Like I said, they're having down years. Uh, and also, but a down year for Stevie is a career year for a lot of guys. And the same thing for, mm-hmm. for James. A down year for James is a career year for somebody else usually. So they were the only locks for me. Everybody else was, it was, you know, could have won either way. So uh, Siakam's having a career year, and um, and he's having a career in almost every category. I think I saw a stat where he has, like, the highest uh, – opponents are shooting one of the lowest percentages from the field when they when he's guarding them at the rim or something to that, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's one of those. I could be mixing it up a little bit, but it's something I'd seen when I was looking at his defensive stats. So he's another two-way guy. So that was that. I had some honorable mentions though, and I'll get, I'll ask you if you have any too. But a yeah. couple for me. Sure. Uh, I'll I'll just give two. I don't want to go on too long with this because there's a lot of guys that were very deserving. Yeah. But the two for me that were honorable mentions that just barely missed the team. I actually switched a couple guys out. Uh, I'll be real. I, I this um, Donovan Mitchell and Pascal Siakam were a couple late additions for me today. And I had switched okay. these two guys out. So the two guys that I honorable mentions for me are um, Idris Femi Adebayo or Bam Adebayo and Rayford Trey Young, the Gremlin. The Gremlin Trey Young. So the Gremlin and Bam were my two honorable mentions. But what about you, homie? Is there any guys off the top of your head if you didn't write them down that are some honorable mentions for you? So the the last cut for me, it, it was the same as you. Uh, it was between Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young for, for a guard spot on that third team. So I had Trey Young as one of my immediate cuts. Bam, I probably wasn't going to get on here just because of games missed. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he, he'll be he'll, – he'll make an appearance here, <laughs> I assure you. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, just – the Heat for me are a weird team to evaluate, just to be honest with you, homie. Like, I don't know where the credit is due. They're the number one team in the East, like almost by it, – it, it's weird. Like, they they didn't – I was ne- – I never, I don't think of them as like one of the elite East teams really, but they're, they've been the number one team. And But it's hard to figure out where that – like, is that Spolstra, who's a great coach? Is it the Lowry edition? Is it Jimmy Butler or Bam? Or is it just the role guys in the Heat system? And so it's hard for me to, like it, – it was re- the Heat guys were some of the hardest for me to, to award. Like, I wanted to get Jimmy Butler on one of these, too. I thought he had a great year. Um, but he just missed too much time. Like, he was just out every other game. And so at a certain point, I just had to kind of draw the line with with games played, even though I, I didn't want to, um, unless you had like a really overwhelming case that that would override that, like with Kevin Durant or something. Um, but yeah, so I would say, you know, Trey Young and um, 
I'm trying to think of other folks who, who are on the brink of mine. Well, really yeah. quick, really quick, I'll say this uh, to echo one of your points about um, about Bam. The reason why Bam was on there was it was more of like, I don't want to say a courtesy pick because he's a talented player and not trying to diminish that. But it was more of, like you said, the Heat are number one in the East. But I'm like, okay, so who gets the credit? Because I think I think Bam's their best player. I think he's easily their best player, actually, to be real with you. And I'm like, well, he's missed a lot of games. You know what I mean? I, I, already, had, I already had James on there who's only played 56 so far. Durant missed some games. But those are some guys where I'm just like, they're just – they're playing so well I can't keep them off. And with Bam, it was kind of like, well, it's kind of like I'm rewarding him for being on the number one team in the East. And I'm like, well, I feel like a guy like Pascal Siakam I'd rather give that spot to is more worthy of it to me than a guy like Bam, who's on a number one team, but they haven't really – I don't really get a number one team feel from them. And we'll talk about that on another show coming up very soon about the playoffs. But um, that's that's my reasoning for that one. And, and the thing with that, I just – I can't get past it. And I don't know if it's a, it's a personal thing for me or what. With the Gremlin – uh, Ray for Trey Young is that he is just to me he is by far the worst defensive player in basketball, and I feel like for every twenty he's averaging twenty eight points a game. I want to say for every twenty to thirty points he gives you, he gives up that much if not more on the other side. He's just so bad, and the only reason why uh, he wasn't uh, like if they, he wasn't exposed in the in the playoffs last year in the second round was because Ben Simmons doesn't play offense. Like, all they would do is Ben Simmons would stand in the corner and then they would have the gremlin, quote-unquote, guard him and just stand there. So that, that was a perfect assignment for him. And me and you talk about this all the time off the air. If I was a guy, a player, who had any sort of talent driving the ball, I would single him out every single time and switch on him and eat him alive on defense. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more this year. I mean, the Hawks are the ninth, the 10th seed now. It's always moving around every day. But they're in the conference finals last year, and they're they're not – they've been pretty bad this year, even with him shooting the ball well, much better than usual. But the defense thing, I just can't get past it. The team, the team lack of success that they were in the 10th seed for almost the whole year, they're going to be a playoff team regard. I mean, a play-in team, excuse me, regardless. And then he's just so bad on, on defense. I just – you know, what I mean, I, it might sound like I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit, but I just can't do it, homie. He's just yeah. so bad. I mean, he, to me, he's easily the worst player in defense. For I'm talking about in terms of, I think of all of them. But even if you're just talking about a guy who's a star player, it's not even close to me. So that, that's that's my case where I'm like, you know what? I mean, Donnie Switch is not exactly a world beater on defense, but he's a lot yeah. better, and he's the numbers are comparable at least. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean that way. But me and you, we value defense a lot more than other people do. So, and that's the thing with these lists that I really like is they're very subjective, for for all the right and wrong reasons, right? So that that's my rationale there. Um, I just want to get that in right quick before we hear if you got any more honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean the the only the only other one who who I I came up with and who I I do think deserves an honorable mention is um, Zach Levine. You know the Bulls. You know. It's it's we have a lot of recency bias. They were the number one team in the East like halfway through the year, um, and that's the reason, quite frankly, they're still in the top six and probably will finish in the top six. Is um, they got off to a hot start and Levine and DeRozan were just killing guys. So 
he's another guy he's missed a bunch of games um but he's just steady he's he's a he's an easy 25 points um he's playing better defense than he he ever has before um which is encouraging he's trying hard um i think he's starting to things are starting to click for him a little more on that end um so that's good but yeah he, he would be kind of my only other big honorable mention um you know a lot of guys have had good years like but to me like all nba is very different than all-star like an all nba means like you're one of the 15 best guys in the league all right and and there are a lot of guys i i really really like such as cj mccollum or freddie van vliet but it's like are you top 15 guys in the league i i don't think so um so yeah that that was the all nba but really Let's, quick, homie, I want oh, can yeah, you yeah. just can you can you share your thoughts? And actually, Frey Double V is a nice honorable mention too for him. He's having a great year. Um, he'll get some love later on. Hint, hint. So, um, can you just give your thoughts real quick for the listeners? We talked about this off the air, but just for the listeners about the Trey Young defense thing, because I mean, I'm, I'm not being too. I feel like I'm not being too harsh on that. I feel like I'm yeah. just keeping it real. But I mean, you're obviously uh, even more. You value defense even more than I do. So, like, how does that affect you when you're thinking about these teams? I mean, all-star team is a whole different thing because nobody plays defense. But when we're thinking about all-NBA, to me, that matters. You feel me? So, like, give yeah. your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there are a lot of guys on on these all-NBA teams who are not necessarily world beaters on defense. But it's more like, yeah, it's like you said, like, it, where's that balance? Like, is there is your defense so bad that – your it, it it counter you know counteracts any offensive you know ability that you have that that's really what i'm looking at um with trey it's just some of it is not necessarily his fault like he's so small he's like the smallest guy in the league i'm just talking about like combination of height weight frame like he's a he's a tiny dude and you know that's even more of a testament to like how impressive it is that he does what he does offensively but he's just not stopping these guys they're 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 all like 30 pounds heavier than him and and bigger and faster and and all of that and so he doesn't do that he's basically just a turnstile um he's not like particularly attentive necessarily off the ball or anything to like balance that out um, but yeah, like you said, he's just, he's, he's going to have a target on his back defensively, um, in, in big games and, and in the biggest moments. So, um, it's, it's hard, but he is a great offensive player not to take any away from, you know, take anything away from his ability on that end. Um, it's just, yeah, he's, he's, you know, he, he just gets attacked over and over again and he's just he's overmatched every time. Um, so when you can't guard anyone in the league, you know, that's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're on the same page with that. Cause I felt like am I being a little bit too harsh on him? Cause he's a great offensive player, but what no, he gives you on offense, he's going to give defense, it up on defense. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But he, he is an honorable mention still. I mean, yeah, he's, he's still definitely he, he's deserving. Like yeah. if he makes somebody's NBA third team or say even second team, if, if someone wants to put him on there, he's deserving. I'm not gonna have a problem with it. It's just a personal thing, you know what I mean? Which is why there's so many voters. I mean, that's why there's so many people who pick this. So this is just our list. Obviously, if people disagree, I respect that. But this is just the way we look at it. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. 
Well, that's been that's been all NBA. Um, looking forward to seeing what the teams actually are. Those usually are announced at some point in the playoffs, I think. Um, so yeah, we're excited to see those come out. Um, but let's transition now to uh, the side of the ball that we were just talking about with Trey Young, who will be not be making any appearance on this list. That's for sure. Um, this is the all defense list. So same thing with this. There's a first team and a second team. They give position designations to guard, to forward, to center. Um, but I don't really feel particularly tied to those positions. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to think things are going to look a little a little different. Um, but um, yeah, I'll go, I'll just go ahead and kick things off. Um, and I'm curious to see, you know, how much we differ on these because defense can be harder to kind of evaluate, but um, so for my two guard spots, I had Marcus smart and Mikhail bridges for at forward. I had Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, um, I had Jaron Jackson Jr. and I had Rudy Gobert. So that's my first team, all NBA. Um, I went pretty heavy on shot blockers. I value that a lot. Um, so you'll notice like three of the guys technically could be centers. Um, but I just think that's the most valuable skill in the NBA to like be able to come over and help at the rim and like scare guys, you know, scare guys off like that. That, that makes them double, you know, just think again every time they're under the rim about to go under it. So, again, Marcus Smart, Mikael Bridges, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Rudy Gobert. Um, yeah, who'd you have, homie? And then we can give our thoughts. Yeah, so we're we're spot on, my guy. So yeah. I, got, I got Marcus Smart, Mikael Bridges, the Black Panther, Triple J. Jaron Jackson Jr. I got the freaking champion, Yanni Santatacompo. And I got your favorite big snail eater, the big snail, Rudy Gobert. Um, this is this is basically if if we were we'll do this um in the near future. We'll do our awards picks. If I was making a defensive player of the year ballot, these would be my five guys. Mm-hmm for defensive player of the year. So once again, same exact same as yours. So we are spot on for this one. Marcus Smart, Mikel Bridges, Jaron Jackson Jr., Yanni Santetokounmpo, and Rudy Gobert are my all defensive first team. Yeah, wow. I I'm I'm extremely surprised we we guessed the same. For for the listeners, we did not talk about any of this beforehand. Like we talked about we've talked about all these guys like separately, but not in like a defensive player of the year conversation or first team all defense. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you could, I, I would hear arguments for other guys on the first team as well, again, because defense is hard to evaluate, but Marcus smart has been kind of the spearhead of the best defense in the league. The Celtics just have to be well represented on this for how dominant their defense had been. Um, Mikhail Bridges has been like just kind of that guard everyone and everything in sight. Like they put him on Steph Curry, they put him on LeBron, they put him, they put him all over the place. Basically, the team's best offensive player and his combination of length and kind of fluidity. He's really skinny but very long and and has such great instincts and basketball IQ. Like he he seems to know just like when to get in the passing lanes how to get like a little piece of the ball that'll throw a shot off um, stuff like that. That's really amazing. 
And then, yeah, like Andre DeCumpo and Jaron Jackson Jr. are kind of cut from the same cloth in terms of their defensive role. Um, they're both going to be like more help side defenders, so maybe not necessarily guarding the 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 biggest guy on the floor, but coming over to help um, and you know swallowing dudes up at the rim. Um, and they've both been incredible at that. Um, a special shout out to Giannis, who you know, usually plays that role with Brooke Lopez under the hoop. And so he had to adapt a little bit and become more of a center this year, which he did really well. Um, he was very good at that, like he is at everything else. So um, that that was cool. And then Gobert, he's just – he's just – he's – the way I think of it, homie, is every generation has like a, a, a dominant shot blocker. You had Dikembe for a long time. Um you know, after him, you you kind of had moving into the next kind of early 2000s, you had uh, guys like, um, I would say, Dwight Howard. Um, you know, you've, you've just you've you've always kind of had just like dominant Kevin Garnett was a phenomenal centers. shot blocker. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was great. The big ticket. Yeah, it was the one that I think when I think of shot blockers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of just the dominant defensive center of this generation. He's your Ben Wallace. He's your, um, you know, your, your Hakeem Olajuwon, your Dikembe Mutombo, your Alonzo Mourning, however you want to say it. He's that guy. He's just, he's just dominant in and out. Now he leaves a lot to be desired on the other end of the floor and you can take him out of games. If he's not under the basket in the paint, he's not going to be as helpful for you. So those are the only kind of knocks on him. Um, but he's he's otherwise pretty pretty much unstoppable on defense. So um, yeah, any any other thoughts on on that first team, homie? No, not really. I, I mean, I agree with you on everything on that. I think uh, I really liked what I've been seeing from Triple J this year. A lot more aggressive. Like I said, a lot of he's really good on those on the help side defense. So when he's coming over to double team somebody, or if he's coming over to clean up the glass or get a block. He's just been phenomenal this year. So I really, I'm really liking his his progression on both ends of the floor. I'm really, I'm really liking that. He's he's kind of blossoming yeah. into he's he's blossoming into a star. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. Yeah, yeah. He, he's had an interesting kind of like trajectory almost like coming out of Michigan State. I was like, oh this guy's gonna be a shot blocking fiend. He's gonna be a defensive monster. And then he kind of had this reputation as an offensive guy, like as a stretch four, basically. Like, yeah, he could shoot the three. He can do a little bit off the bounce from the perimeter. Um, and you, I kind of forgot about the defensive stuff. And then this year he's healthy. He's coming off. He, he had, a, I think, a meniscus tear, um, which a lot of you are seeing a lot now. Um, but coming off of that, and he, yeah, he's just been a swatting machine. He looks dominant defensively. His offense, unfortunately, dipped with coinciding with this this great leap on defense. But I'm hoping it'll, the, you know, the, the offense will catch back up. And if that's the case, I mean, Memphis is going to be really good for a long time. Him and Ja, if those are your two pieces, maybe throw a little kill shot deal in there. Um, Desmond Bain, you know, you're looking good. So, you know, he's, he's been, he's been a really important part of that team. So, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, I just want to say, I like his, 
his um his shot is so interesting to yeah me. it's like he leaned he's so tall and lean he leans forward with his shot yeah. so every time and i actually i saw it live when i was watching they came to play the thunder and just seeing it seeing it in person too is just something like it's so it looks so weird when he's just leaning forward with his shot a big guy like that but it, yeah. it works i mean he, he's getting better on that end but it's um and a dope nickname. The Black Panther is a, a, a dope nickname. You know what I mean? So yeah. I want to say that was Brevin Knight, who's one of the one of the Grizz uh color commentators, a former former Hooper himself, pro. But yeah, Brevin Knight, I can't take credit for that one. So but yeah, he's nice. I just wanted to I just wanted to give some love to him because we love our we love our announcing crews. It's one of the things we love about hoops is they actually have individual announcing crews, not like football. And um yeah, just the I want to talk about the shot because I, I feel like I almost can't talk about Triple J without mentioning how his unorthodox shot. <laughs> it's it's yeah. very it's one of the most unique in the league to me. So. Yeah, it is very weird looking. His it, to me, it's like him and Tyrese Halliburton. And funny enough, they both are like good shooters. Like they're they're they make them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably just like a weird shot they developed as a kid, and they just got so comfortable with it that they're like just really good at making it. And um, yeah, but 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 yeah, I hope his offense comes around more because he's a fantastic defensive player. Um, but going into my second team, let's see if we if we're if the the mind meld continues. So I've got on my first first team or my on my second team on my guard spots. I've got Fred Fred VanVleet. Um, you threw in a little prediction there earlier, alluding to him. I got Matisse Thybul. Um, I've got Herb Jones, um, and then Bam Adebayo and Robert Williams as my five. So, um, yeah, those are kind of the, the next five I had. I'm going to be honest with you. This second team, all defense was the hardest one for me of any of these, these teams. Um, there are a lot of honorable mentions I have. I'll just say that. Um, so I went, but I went with Fred Van Vliet, Matisse Teibel, um, Herb Jones, Bam Adebayo, and Robert Williams on my third team, but was thinking of a five to 10 other people the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So I also, I have, I'm counting right now. I have five honorable mentions as well. Nice. And we were so close, my guy. We were one guy off. Oh, one guy. <laughs> Off, but I mean, maybe it was maybe this guy's honorable mention. So we were, I was just like, yeah, yeah, ah, okay. So for me, I went with Mathif, Matisse Thibel. I went with Bam Adebayo, Idris Femi Adebayo. I went with Freddie Double V, Steady Freddie, Freddie Van Vliet. I went with Time Lord, Robert Williams III, another one of the, the best uh, nicknames for sure. And my last guy where we deviated was I had Steady Mobbin, Evan Mobley, mm. on my second team. Uh, yeah. I just I had to do it. I just feel like I had to give him props. He's just been – he's just acclimated to the league so well on defense. Shot-blocking presence. can guard any position on the floor. I know he's a rookie. I feel you. He's a rookie, I know. But he's going to be one of the best defensive players in the league sooner rather than later if he's not already there. And to me, he already is there. So he's just phenomenal. It's such a talent. So uh, again, I got Matisse Steibel, Steady Mobbin, Evan Mobley, Bam Adebayo, Fred Van Vliet, 
And Robert Williams III is my All-NBA defensive second team. Yeah, and I, I think th- those are all pretty straightforward. Robert Williams III had to be on there for me, even though he's now he will have missed a bunch of games. He's just been awesome all year. Um, doing the same thing, Giannis and Jaron Jackson Jr., that same thing we're talking about, that help side kind of shot blocking defense. Doing that, but also like being able to switch onto anyone and guard on the perimeter. Um, you know, him and Bam. Bam's just like that too. Um, you know, that the, they're just these super switchable defenders where like you can't get a mismatch on these guys. They're gonna shut down your guards the same way they shut down your centers. It's 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 impossible to score on them. So I like that. Um having Mobley, I think is Totally understandable. He was one of my honorable mentions. Um, I went with a different rookie. I went with Herb Jones. Two really good rookies, like, right away. That That's pretty rare. Um, you don't see that a ton. It usually develops a little bit. Um, so that's something that that I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, really impressed with, with those two guys just being in consideration. Um, but to give my honorable mentions – Draymond Green just hasn't played enough. Um, was was amazing the first, I don't know, 30 games or so, but just hasn't really played a ton since then. DeJounte Murray, who's one of one of my favorite players on from the Spurs, um, near in the top in the tops of the league in steals and deflections. Um, just a super long, great you know, perimeter guard defender. Pat Beverly, you know, he's not my favorite player for that's for sure. Um, but got to give him props. He brings it on defense. He tries on that end. He bothers people. He gets, he gets people um, out of their rhythm. And, and I can't deny that to me, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are a package deal. Like those guys are so good together. I couldn't like pick one over the other. So I just decided not to pick either of them um, because they've both just been dominant. So those are, those are some of my honorable mentions and there were even a couple others, but I'll, I'll spare the audience. Um, But, but yeah, so there, there were just a lot of guys I think deserving of consideration this year, but yeah, who do you have for honorable mentions um, who you were thinking about and, and wanted to include. Yeah, so my my guy who just barely missed it was another rookie. I, I picked Mobley over him, but it was it was a straight jacket or not on Herb, as his nicknames are. Not Herbert on Jones. Herb. So, uh, so yeah, so we swapped <laughs> rookies, but so yeah, we're pretty much right in the right in the same the same wavelength again. So Herb Jones was the one for me that I wanted to put him on there so bad, but I'm like, who do I take off? So this was, of all the teams we had to make, this was by far the hardest one for me to make. Was uh, it's the second team defense? Other yeah, guys, it was. same ones you mentioned, Draymond Green and uh, Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been he hasn't been as 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 strong of a year defensively for me, but he's still one of the best uh, defensive guards in the league. So I want to give him some love for sure. Jared Allen, Afro Thunder. As I like to call him, he's uh, he's on there for sure. I was able to separate it from Mobley, <laughs> so I put him on there. Definitely, uh, he's having a good year. He's missed some time now, unfortunately. Hoping he can get back with a play in. Me we'll too. See. Fingers we'll crossed. We'll see because I just, I just, they're a really fun team to watch when those two guys are out there. Those two, those two bigs, they're fun to watch. And then uh, my last guy who I have is the process, Joel Embiid. Um, he's a guy who I think. 
has a really good chance to win a defensive player of the year um, award at some point. And he is playing, he is playing really good defense. If you notice that when he's on the court, their defense is just infinitely better than when he's not. I mean, I understand he's yep. seven feet tall, but at the same time, like guys are kind of <laughs> afraid to take it to the hole when he's there. So I want to give him some love as well. He's just another one of those guys who's just such a talented player on both ends of the floor. So I wanted to give Joel Embiid some love here. He's had to carry more of the offensive burden just because of what happened with Simmons and all that. But I still want to give him some love on defense. So honorable mentions, uh, Draymond Green, Joel Embiid, Herbert Jones, Jared Allen, and Drew Holiday. Dope. Yeah, those were all also other guys I was thinking about and you know considering. Um, I wish they would have three three all defense teams the way they have three all NBA. Me too. Um, I think I think they should. I wish we talked about it. I wish they'd have an all defensive rookie team too. Yeah, that would be cool too. Or yeah. or like us, like we talked about in the show. Instead of a six a six man of the year, they have. But I wish they had one for defense too, for like a bench player who plays good defense because like. Matisse Thibel and guys like that. I mean, Thibel is a starter now, basically. Yeah, but guys Gary like Payton. that. Yeah. yeah, Gary Payton, the, the mitten, would be a really good choice for that. You know what I mean? So, uh, and he's another guy that we didn't mention that's uh, really good on defense, too, the mitten. Yeah. So, but yeah. But I mean, that, it is what it is. Hopefully, they'll, maybe they'll expand that. Who knows? But uh, yeah, this was it was fun making the defensive teams. I'll say that. So. Yeah, I, I thought it was fun too. And I agree with you. That second team, all defense. That was the hardest one. I, the hardest five-man unit I had I, I had with, with the, all these exercises. But um, yeah, let's go into our final, our final list here. All rookie. These ones, just full transparency, I thought were a lot easier. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but yeah, same. there was one hard choice for me for first team. And then... Besides that one hard choice, I base everything else was was pretty much, you know, simple for me. Um, so I'll let you kick this one off, homie. Who do you, who do you have on your first team All Rookie team? And I know you're. Uh, I, I definitely know who's who your Rookie of the Year is going to be. We won't spoil that because we'll get to those awards in a future app. But um, yeah, who who do you have on your first team All Rookie? Wow, I'm surprised you're able to guess that. I thought you'd have no idea. So um, this was a – four of these were locks, and I went with one. So, th- yeah, these were by far the easiest for me to make. Really great rookie class this year. I think this is going to go down as one of the best draft classes, top ten draft classes maybe of all time. So deep all the way through, even second rounders. So for me, my first team is Motorcade, Cade Cunningham, uh, Koala, Josh Giddy, Scotty Barnes. Steady Mobbin, Evan Mobley. And then my last guy is not on Herb, Herbert Jones. So once again, real quick. Nice. First team, Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy, Herbert Jones, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley is my all-rookie first team. How about you, homie? All right. So this is this is the only one where we've been two off. Um, and I thought we were going to be one off on this one. And I knew exactly the one that was, that we, that we had switched. This was a last minute switch for me. I'll be honest about that. Um, so Evan Mobley, of course, um, Scotty Barnes, of course, um, Cade Cunningham to me was, was pretty easy as the third on there. Um, and then I had Franz Franz Wagner, 
I want to pronounce his name correct, Franz Wagner for the Orlando Magic. He's just been a pretty solid all-around player. Not shooting the ball super great, and like he's definitely not like a number one kind of offensive guy, um, but he's a solid defender, passes the ball, keeps it moving, hits his open shots, get, gets his rebounds, you know. Want to reward him for that because especially on like a bad team, it would be easy to, you know, focus. Oh, I want to get my numbers and, you know, score a lot. Um, but he chips in in a lot of ways. So I wanted to give him a shout out. And then the 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 fifth one is the, the last one I, I was in between two guys, Jalen Green and Josh Giddy. Those were the two I was thinking of. I ultimately went with Jalen Green, who started the year off pretty bad. I mean, like really, I, I had him on my fantasy team. So I know he was like not very good shooting super inefficiently, but he has been on an absolute tear the last, I'd say month or two. Um, he's been scoring consistently above 20. He's had several 30 point games shooting the ball really efficiently in, in these last, you know, I don't know, 10 games or so. Um, so I ultimately went with him um, as as my fifth guy. He was not someone who, if we did it two years, two weeks ago, he wouldn't have been on it. So this might be a recency bias thing too, where I'm just like, I've watched this guy been, been, be really good for the last you know couple of weeks and wanted to reward him. But yeah, what are your thoughts with that home? Yeah, man, no, no issues for me. Uh, I went with Giddy just because I feel like it was a very pleasant surprise for me to have him be this yeah. good. Uh, you were definitely much higher on him than I was. I was down, way down on him. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not afraid to admit it. I wasn't that high in the draft pick, and it, I was proven wrong. And I'm very happy to say that. So, for me, he just, I mean, he's just so efficient. He's put, he was putting up triple doubles as a rookie, and then he got hurt, and he's been out for the rest of the year. So I feel like if he had stayed healthy consistently throughout the year. He would have been in the rookie of the year conversation, so that's why for me I, I wanted to put him on there and reward him for that. He's just been a, it's been a really seamless fit with him and SGA for OKC, and I think they have a great a great backcourt of the future for at least the next decade. You know, what I mean, if they keep these guys together, so I want to reward him. But yeah, I have no problems with the other two guys, and uh, those other two guys will show up very very soon. Yeah, yeah. Well. Because I, I just want to talk about him some more. Josh Giddy is um, already, I, and I feel pretty good saying this, already one of the best passers in the league. And I'm, ta- I'm talking about like best five to ten passers in the entire NBA. You know, in, with, with Jokic, um, with Chris Paul, like up in that company. He's incredible. He's like not the most athletic dude. He's at least big. He's 6'8", but he, he's pretty slow out there. But he's one of those guys who, like, he moves at his own speed and he doesn't need to try to play faster than he actually is because he's just, like, big and under control. So he was the first guy on my second team. Um, he's great. Great fit with with um, with SGA. Um, I, I, I think that's that's a, they, they got to feel really good about about all their backcourt guys, including Dort in there. They've got three kind of studs. Now they just got to figure out the front court and they'll be it'll be smooth sailing. Um, but so in addition to Josh Giddy on my second team, I had Ayo Dusumu, uh Chicago native. Uh, so I love love to see some uh, Windy City love on there. Uh, my guy, Bones Highland, 
um, Nation Bones Highland. Uh, not on Herb. Uh, Herb Jones, of course, was on, he, he made my second team. And then my fifth guy was um, a guy who, again, at the beginning of the year, I probably wasn't thinking about him at all. But uh, Jonathan Kuminga uh, from from the Warriors, he's just been an absolute baller this year. Um, it's been a great rookie class. I mean, those are those are all really good players already. And I'm not just saying like good rookies, like good players um, in this league. So um, been a, been an amazing rookie year. But yeah, homie, before I before I uh, you know gush any more on the rookie class, I'm gonna let you. Uh, well, you give your second team here. Yeah. Um, this was this was a this one wasn't as hard, but there was a couple guys we will talk about honorable mentions. But for me, I had uh, Franz Wagner, mm-hmm. Jalen Green, Nashan Bones Highland. Nice. Yeah, Bone Thugs, Crazy Bones, and Kwam Dean Ayopo Dosunmu. I had Ayopo Dosunmu on their couple second round guys which i love to see second round guys doing this well and then uh i'll go ahead and drop my honorable mentions and you can tell me yours real quick if you had any i had three Uh so for me the biggest one that oh did i even mention my last guy did i my last guy was uh latino heat chris duarte Duarte. okay was my last guy and only he was by you know by uh, the same the same length that you know Kevin Durant's foot was on the line last year in the playoffs. <laughs> that's how close, or as our guy Skipper likes to say, he had a toenail on the line. That's how close it was for Chris Duarte over Jonathan Kuminga. The only reason why I went with Duarte was because he started off really hot. He was kind of like the only bright spot in Indiana. He got hurt, been battling injuries, but he's going to be a really really good uh, shoot. He's a really good shooter already. And I think he's going to be a really valuable player if Indiana can get right or if he goes on another team at some point. But he's going to be a really valuable guy, maybe in like a a Seth Curry range. They're not the same kind of player, but how Seth is just a really good mm-hmm. – um, he can give you 15 to 20 if you need it. Duarte is that kind of guy. He's an older guy. He was the oldest guy in the draft. So I really like his offensive game. He's a, he can be a really good three-point specialist or just a guy who can get, get you buckets uh, if you need buckets. So I really, I'm a really big fan of him, but – it was really hard for me. You know how I feel about Kuminga, uh, about uh, double O slamming, as I like to call him. It was really hard for me to not put him on this list. And I, I went back and forth, but I went with Latino Heat, Duarte. But it was close. So honorable mentions are double uh, O slamming, Jonathan Kuminga, Jose Alvarado, and nice. Alfred Shengun was my last honorable mention. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely include all those, those guys in uh, – Honorable mention, I've got a couple extras. Um, Davion Mitchell for the Kings. Um, his offense still needs to come around, but he's been a great defender. Um, he's played really well since De'Aaron Fox has been out, He and they kind of gave him the keys, um, let him operate as really the true point guard on the team, and he's actually looked pretty good in that situation, um, which is cool. Um, and then, you know, the only other – one I want to mention is a guy on, on my team, the Knicks, uh, Jericho Sims, um, who is just one of the only bright spots on the Knicks this season, to be honest. He's he's from the University of Texas. I think he was we, – we picked him up in the second round, end of the first, beginning of the second round. Um, and he's just been, you know, with, with Nerlens Noel injured for much of the year, 
Mitchell Robinson's always injured. He's he's been playing a lot more, and he's been a real bright spot um, for these Knicks. Um, just really active under the boards. He's really just a bit, you know, like a dive man. You know, he doesn't doesn't really have any offensive game except to catch it and dunk it. But he brings a lot of energy, so I'll have him on there too. Um, Jericho Sims. Nice. Got to get some yeah. some New York love in there. No yeah, problem I mean, with it. It's been a great, been a really good rookie class. I am. This is one of my favorite rookie classes in recent memory. I'm really excited yeah. to see where these guys can go from here. And there was probably, probably five other guys that were deserving as well. It's a really, it was a really deep draft. So I'm really happy with the way things have gone so far. Jalen Suggs was a guy who I'm actually really surprised wasn't on either either of our lists. Not I knew he wasn't going to make them probably, but he's a guy where the talent is there. He's just kind of been. Still kind of getting acclimated to the league a little bit, I feel like. And he's been hurt a lot this year Yeah, in has. Orlando. And Cole Anthony's kind of stole the show here. He's kind of, kind of coming to his own there as well. But Suggs is a guy who I think the talent is – I wouldn't sleep on him too much. So I'm surprised he didn't make it, but it's been a tough year for him and Orlando in general. But, uh, yeah, really great class. So I'm really happy with these guys. Yeah, and and why don't you let the listeners know we we've got a uh, we've got a little bonus list we're gonna do here. This is not an official NBA approved uh, ballot, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. Let let the listeners know we're gonna do a, we're we're gonna give them a little extra here. Yeah, so I I thought of this. I thought it would be a fun one to maybe kind of differentiate us a little bit from the other if there are any other shows are doing this. So uh, talked about it with the hoops guru, and we talked about how about we do an all NBA sophomores. First team for fun. So this will be the players who are in their second year this year. We're just going to do one, just one first team, a top five. So uh, this was, this was uh, our idea. So how about you kick this one off, Hoops Guru? Who is your All-NBA sophomores first team? The Helmets, Hoops, and Homies All-NBA sophomores first team. Yeah, this this was a hard one. Um, this is a deep draft. There are a lot of good guys like later in the first round and in the second round, but I am going to take two guys from the top of the draft just to kick things off. Um, I'll have Anthony Edwards, of course, uh, the Ant Man. He's been great in his uh, in his sophomore campaign um, as like a go to scorer. He's he's really shown a little a little bit as a passer, um, as, and a playmaker, like he seems to have pretty good vision, um, got to pick his defense up, but otherwise, you know, you know, he's, he's like 20 years old. It's like, he'll, that'll come. Um, but he, he's, he's off to a great start and LaMelo ball. I mean, that's an easy one. Um, he's, he's just already a star. Um, already was, was he made the all-star team this year, right? I now can't even yeah, remember he back to all-star. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Reigning rookie so, of the year. So. Yeah, he, he, he's the rookie of the year. The third guy, this would be a three-guard team, but I'm going with Tyrese Halliburton. He's he's awesome. He's just like a great kind of traditional point guard. Um, so so love what he brings. And then I, the instead of going with a center, I'm just going two wings here. I'm doing Desmond Bain um, from the Memphis Grizzlies, and I'm doing um, Sadiq Bay from the Detroit Pistons to uh, – Great, um, great wings, good three and D players. Both can like really like put up a bunch of points really quick. If they're hot, like 
Bane and Sadiq Bay will kill you. So yeah, that that would be mine. It's it's Lamelo, it's Ant, it's uh, Hallie Burton, Hallie's Comet, as you like to call him, and then Bane and Sadiq Bay. All right, nice list, homie. Nice list. So I went with uh, Mellow Yellow, Lamelo Ball. I went with Ant Man or Antenna, as I like to call him, because he gets up high. Anthony Edwards. Uh, Take it to the max. Tyrese Maxey was mine. Maxey, yeah. And then I had Halley's Comet, Tyrese Halliburton, and I had Buff Bangerous or Desmond Bain was mine. So this was a this was a tough list to make. There that that looking at that uh, draft class even last year, a lot of guys deserving. We probably could have did. We could probably could have did two or three teams on these guys too. But uh, the only one where we differed, we were almost there. Is you had Sadiq Bay, I had Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey's just kind of coming to his own. I I know I did say that uh, I would have preferred they traded him instead of Seth Curry just because in terms of fit in Philly, but I can't deny that he's just been a really great player. Nice, almost a nice surprise to an extent. The how I mean, not a surprise in terms of that he's a good player, but a surprise in terms of how quickly he's become he's become uh, a, a fixture on on Philly in terms of. The way they run their offense and his scoring efficiency is really good. So I, I like Tyrese Maxey. He's a he's a spark plug. So I wanted to, I picked him based off of that. But uh, it was a, it was a, a another deep draft class. Desmond Bain went thirtieth in the first round. I know that and, was ridiculous at yeah. the time. And yeah. we were, we were talking and he got drafted by Boston. He got traded to Memphis. But we were actually talking about this. This is one of those drafts where a lot of the guys who didn't go lottery to me are playing better currently than guys who went lottery. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Obviously you got uh you got Edwards and Ball went one and three. That that just makes sense. You know how I feel you on that. But uh I want to say Maxi didn't go lottery off the top of my head. No, he went he went outside the lottery. Outside the lottery and obviously Buff Dangerous doesn't bane didn't go he went last. And then Halliburton Halliburton I want to say he went late late lottery. Yeah. Yeah to yep. Sacramento. So, yeah, it was it was a, an interesting uh, draft. Not too many. The thing about me that I noticed was not too many impact bigs so far. I mean, it's still nope. only the second. It's only the second year. Still have a long way to go. But that was the thing that surprised me. Not too many impact bigs so far, but a really good class. A lot of, uh, I mean, uh, Edwards and Ball are going to be superstars if they're not already. So that uh, yeah, was a fun one. I wanted to do something. Uh, have us do something a little bit different and give some love to the. The sophomores. Remember when the All-Star Games have the rookie sophomore game? Yeah. Why not, why not we just do that? We'll, we'll make that a Helmut Swoops and Homies tradition. We'll do a sophomore list every year. So. Yeah. Now it's the Rising Stars Challenge. The Rising Stars <laughs> Challenge, yeah. yeah. It's always a Now, it's, game, now yeah. it's a tournament. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fun. I like that, the, the sophomores. It's always fun to see it, like, from rookie to sophomore year. Some guys make big leaps. Um, some guys, like, kind of fi- – come into their own after rough, rough rookie seasons. So um, those, that was fun, but yeah, that, that was, that was a great time picking all those uh, teams with you, homie. We were very close. We, we definitely, uh, you know, you know what they say, great minds think alike. We, uh, <laughs> we are definitely proving that point this episode. So uh, love to see it. We were a joke. I was like, Oh, we're kind of like the mismatch, like Chris Byrne and KOC, but we actually just agree on, on way more than they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, 
We, of course, have some uh, final segments to get to before we say goodnight. Um, you know, we, we do it every week. The listeners, the listeners know it's coming, and yet they're still screaming, screaming in excitement. Um, <laughs> we've got our uh, slime ball of the week. So the sports world is full of slime balls, uh, scumbags, sleazeheads, uh, you know, Rap scallions. What else, homie? Shady people, shysty, scoundrels. Scoundrels, yeah, yeah exactly. Whatever um, you can think about. Yeah, they, they they crawl out of the woodwork every week and uh, show <laughs> themselves to us so so we can talk about them on our podcast. But this is our slime ball of the week segment. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'll kick this one off, homie. I'll just get right into it. <clears throat> Since we're coming off our big hoop segment and we're picking our all NBA teams, um, I wanted to. Uh, th- th- it kind of brought to mind this 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 slime ball this week, who is representative of a whole other class of slime balls. So I'll just get right to it. My slime ball of the week is Devin Booker. Um, so the reason for this is Devin Booker was asked in a post game interview if he should be the MVP of the league, and he said, "Yeah." Um, and that's fine. Like, I like having confidence in yourself. Um, and then he reached, re, uh, quote tweets, uh, a tweet that Isaiah Thomas sent out, um, basically saying he meets all the criteria. Um, he should be the MVP and basically says, well, they changed the criteria, you know, and that's why I'm not winning. Um, I'm just really over all of the complaining about not getting considered for MVP because let's be honest. He, a lot of what was happening is, Oh, well he needs to be in the conversation. Okay. Let's have Devin Booker in the conversation. Let's look at this conversation. This conversation includes Nicole Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid. If you want us to mention Devin Booker, that's fine. But it's those three, and it's everyone else. And so I, I get it. You're on the best team. You're having a great season. We both were considering him for for first team All NBA. But people say this, and it's like, okay, well, I can. You're just not. No one. Everyone in the media knows that you're not one of the top three MVP candidates. So this insistence on, oh, I should be considered. I need to be in the conversation. It's like there's this 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 idea that there are no other players in the league and it's just me and I'm doing really well so why aren't you recognizing me and it's like well there are a lot of guys like you and that that's what I kind of want to say to these guys like it's not just you buddy there's a lot of other players who are doing really well and so this is a thing that's just been bothering me recently um Joel Embiid recently did like did something like this too where he was like I feel like if I'm not that voted MVP this year, people are just being haters. And it's like, no, like you're in a year where the one of your competitors, Jokic, is about to break the all-time record for player efficiency rating. And guess what? If he wasn't going to break that, if he just wasn't playing, Giannis was going to break it because Giannis is now going to have the second all-time PER. Um, and so it's just like, just because you're not a front runner for the MVP doesn't mean people are being haters. Doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about. 
doesn't mean they're just um, you know not paying attention. It means it's a really good year for MVP. And yeah, you can be in the larger conversation. Devin Booker, you're a top ten MVP candidate. Great. Hope hope that's hope that helps. Joel Embiid, if you get picked MVP, I will not complain at all. Even though my favorite player is is one of the other candidates, um, you've had a great year. But stop the complaining. Giannis and Jokic haven't mentioned this at all. They clearly like they haven't thrown anyone under the bus. They haven't said this award has to be mine. I'm the guy. They've remained humble, and quite frankly, to me, they've been the two best guys in the league this year. So um, everyone else needs to kind of cool it. It's it's. I know it's you know you want respect, and these guys want to be you know respected for their talents. But the MVP is given to one person. There are only a small number of people who are considered for this award. You have to be one of the very best players in the league. And not everyone is in that conversation every year. And you just got to be okay with that. Continuing to complain about it only makes you look like a baby and a sore loser. And I just, you got to give it a rest. So that's that's my slime ball of the week. Devin Booker and the MVP whiners. Yeah, homie. I couldn't agree with you more and everything you said. I would just say that we just had this conversation where, where Devin Booker was right there on my first team, all-NBA first team until the last second. But uh, we also did acknowledge that he's probably – he's the best player in his team, but he, I don't know if he's the most important or most valuable player on his team, right? Yeah. So he's having a good year, but there's guys, to keep it real, that are having better years than him. This is the closest – this is one of the closest MVP races of all time. Like, it's literally going to go down to the last game of the year for a lot of voters that I've heard from – all over the spectrum, podcasts, writers, TV, whatever, anybody who does hoops and has a vote, I've heard all of them say it's going to come down to the last day of the year for me. It's just, it's changes week to week. Every few days it changes. So just the whole thing with him, the process, these other guys, to me it just seems like it comes off to me as as weak. You know what I mean? Like, not that they're weak, but it comes off as weak, like lame almost. Like, really? Uh, the thing with the process too, it's like really, like they're gonna say hate you. Why would how you know? If anything, he's the guy that I feel like the media wants, especially the, I mean, the TV media. I could say, the talking heads on TV, they want him to win the MVP. He's been the one that they've been dying for. Would hope they would win it. That's my perception of it, at least, was that they wanted the process to win the MVP. They don't want Yanis to win it or the or Jokic because they're not as quote unquote sexy. You know what I mean? To to watch as and be they don't they don't have as many the the sound clips and this, this and that. And I, I love all those players. But yeah, to me, this is a three player race and it has been almost the whole year. Uh with some, you know, with DeMar DeRozan was in there for a little while. Uh John Morant was in there for a while. Booker, I mean, he can be in the conversation, but it's a conversation where it's like you can be in it, but you're gonna be like fifth, maybe, you know, fourth or fifth or whatever. Jason Tatum. Is just as just as much right to be in the conversation as Devin Booker to me, and I haven't yeah. heard anything from him about it either. So just all that to say is that to me, you can be in the conversation, but this is a this is a a Yanis, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid award. This is their award to win for me, and nobody else is even close to that. And really quickly, for to to for Booker and Embiid and these other guys who are complaining. 
couple points I actually want to make real quick. First one is that Nikolai Jokic is 39 points away. He has, I think he has two or three games left. He is 39 points away from being the first player in NBA history, 75 years now. They've been hyping that all year, right? 75 years. He is the first player. He's 39 points away from being the first player in NBA history to have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. In the 75-year history of the league, he's the first guy that is – I think he's going to do it. You know what I mean? It's his two 20-point games, and he's he's a lock for that almost. So, yeah, he will more than likely, unless something catastrophic happens, knock on wood, he will have 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists, and he will set the all-time record for PER since it's been measured. I mean, what, what, what can you say, right? <laughs> it's just amazing. That's how good this year has been in the NBA how how deep the talent is for MVP. So, I mean, it is what it is. And really quickly, just to get a shot in at Isaiah Thomas, who I do not like in the slightest. <laughs> um, he is the last guy I would ever retweet or value his opinion when it comes to evaluating talent. Hall of Fame player, fantastic. He's probably one of the best small guards of all time in terms of point guard. Uh, he's also probably one of the worst evaluators of talent, GMs, and head coaches I've ever seen in my life. And I, you can speak to that. Much more than I can. Yeah, as a Knicks fan. He is preaching to the choir. So he, yeah, he's he's the last guy I would ever want to. He'll get an endorsement from him about how good of a player I am. Devin Booker is a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a very talented. So I'm not throwing shade at him. But Isaiah Thomas is not the guy I would say. Oh, he thinks I'm a good player. I mean, that don't mean nothing to me because what what he thinks it's obviously the Knicks are uh, awful. They were the stinker bockers for perennially because of him. So he's not the guy whose endorsement I would be seeking. Let's just keep it real. So I just wanted to throw that in there because I always laugh. But I saw that too and I laugh. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the guy you want the, the ringing endorsement from. So yeah, that's just my thoughts real quick. But uh you want do you I know I know you feel me on the Isaiah Thomas uh thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. I have no respect for Isaiah Thomas. He hasn't earned any for me. Yeah. Um but yeah let me let me hear your your slime ball homie. So my slime ball is uh I gotta hear it. <laughs> <laughs> my slime ball is uh we had talked about this before. I think we talked about this on the show, right? Uh where we we're watching the Super Bowl. When I used to watch the Bowl with my grandma, she's a huge football fan, which is hilarious. And uh she liked the Niners and the Bears. But uh we we're watching it, or it was the Patriots and uh, Seahawks Super Bowl. And she saw the coach, and she's like, "Who's that?" She's like, "Who's that old buzzard over there <laughs> uh, with the white hair?" I'm like, "I was like, Pete Carroll." She's like, "Yeah, the coach." She's like, "The old buzzard." She's like, "How old is he?" And I'm like, "And just my grandma was in her 60s at this point, so she's just like," and I'm like, "I don't know. I think he's in his. He was in his 60s at that time." But it was just funny that Pete Carroll's kind of so. Pete Carroll was my slime ball of the week. He's one of those guys that's kind of looked the same since USC. I don't think he's up. He looks exactly the same as he did 20 years ago. He's kind of like Steve Martin, you know, the actor Steve Martin. He's looked the same for like 30 years. He's never changed. So I thought that was kind of funny. This is a personal story that my grandma told me that I always laugh about when I think about Pete Carroll. But so yeah, Pete Carroll is my slam ball of the week, and this is this is the reason why. So he had talked about he there was a, a report, and this is from SI.com. I got this one, but it was all over, that he had called out owners about the hiring discrepancies. So Apparently, he called some owners talking about the lack of minor, hiring minority coaching candidates won't improve 
until owners accept that there are can capable candidates different than themselves. And then a little bit, a little quote here from an anonymous source. The source says, quote, he just went off. He was saying, you can do anything, but until owners get to know these candidates before the actual interviews and understand that they have to hire people who are different than them, it's not going to really change. And Adam Schefter, who's basically the Woj of, of uh, NFL, said that owners, quote, weren't happy with this, which I can understand why. But this is the thing to me about uh, about it. So as, as P. Moore would say, here's the thing. He has done a very good job of championing this. He's also done a good job of hiring uh, African-American and minority coaches on the defensive end. So his, some of his DCs have been uh, Chris Richard, Ken Norton, and then he also has a current one as well, Clint Hurt, who is his current uh, DC. So and those are all African-American guys. So he's done a great job on that front, but to me, I'm like, okay, what about the offense? The reason why we're having to institute a rule where we have to hire an offensive coach, a minority coach, is because of guys like you who won't hire one on offense. So I was like, okay, let me put this to test. Let me look at every coach on offense that Pete Carroll has had since he's been the coach of Seattle. So I looked at him. So he had Jeremy Bates. Daryl Bevel was there for several years, Brian Schottenheimer, and he recently hired a new one last year of Shane Waldron. And no shade at Shane Waldron, but you had an opportunity, let's see, one, two, three times to hire a minority candidate to be your offensive coordinator, and you did not do that. So don't talk about it. Be about it. You know, minority candidates can also coach offense and not just defense. So because of guys like you, the same ones that you're – Calling out the owners, you're basically the be-all, end-all in Seattle because I thought that you should have got fired after last year because I don't think you're as effective as a coach as you were before, and I still didn't think you were that great personally. But um, you're still there. You call all the shots. You're definitely you're the GM and the coach, essentially. You're Kyle Shanahan, John McVay, whatever you want to say. You're in that position of power, and you haven't you haven't really done anything on the offense to make this change. So who are you to call out? these other owners. I understand it and I support the sentiment, but I don't know if you're exactly the guy that I would be saying. Now, if Bruce Arians wants to say this, which he has said this several times, I support that a thousand percent because he lives, you know, he walks it like he talks to it. You know what I mean? Look at what happened with, what just happened with Todd Bowles and then what happens with his entire staff has been filled for years. We're going back to Arizona um, where it's been, people of color, and women on his staff on both sides of the ball. He gave Byron Leftwich a chance when Byron Leftwich didn't even know if he wanted to be a coach. He said, I want you to be my OC. He didn't say, oh, you can be the running backs coach. You can be my quarterbacks coach. You can be the passing game coordinator. He told him, you used to be a quarterback in the league. You're a good quarterback in the league, solid. I want you to be my OC. I want you to take, I want you to run my offense. So you can say, oh, there was no candidates qualified. Then make a candidate qualified. There's tons of former players out there. Heinz Ward is a wide receiver coach in at Florida Atlantic. He was a really good offensive player. I'm sure he could be a decent, at, at the very least, just based off of how talented he was, can be a decent offensive coordinator and eventually maybe a good or a great one. But you got to have opportunity to do so. So don't come at these other players. I mean, don't come at these other owners and stuff 
which I'll never support the owners in a lot of things. They're billionaires. I always am pro player. You know this. We, we both are. But at the same time, I don't know if Pete Carroll is exactly the guy to be doing this. So I actually looked at his staff. There is a guy on his staff. His name is Dave Canales. He has been affiliated with Pete Carroll since 2009. He was the assistant strength coach at USC before Pete Carroll dipped out of there after all the sanctions came down from what he was doing his dirty when he was doing the dirty work there. And he went to Seattle. He was the wide receivers coach for Seattle under Pete Carroll from 2010 to 2017. Then he was the quarterback's coach from 18 to 19. Then he was a passing game coordinator from 2020 to 21. And now he's the quarterback's coach again. Now, Dave Canales, from everything I've seen, is a Latino candidate. He's 40 years old, so he's still young. He can definitely blossom into possibly getting some head coaching uh, consideration if he was the year OC. So you had an opportunity for him. So he basically had three chances to hire this guy as your OC. And you just put him back to quarterback's coach. So why come he doesn't get a job? He's been on your staff for 12 years. So how about you give a guy like that a chance on your offense? No, you went outside and got somebody else. So I don't know if you're the right guy, Pete Carroll, to uh, to be uh, calling these people out. And really quickly, the Colin Kaepernick situation, not about Colin Kaepernick himself. You can think what you want to think about that. I'm not going to get into all that at this point. But I will say from a pure football standpoint, the way that Pete Carroll has been kind of shoehorning his name in every once in a while, he'll sprinkle it in. Like recently there was a conversation about Russell Wilson and he goes, Oh, I'm gonna t- let me tell you about Colin Kaepernick. Cause I know you're going to ask about him. And everybody was like, we're not going to ask you about him. Why would we ask you about him? Right? So he brings that in. He's got Colin Kaepernick wanting to be on the team, get another tryout. He gave him a trial before he didn't make the team for publicity. Basically to me, I'll just keep it real. And you got this guy, just, you know, if you don't want him on your team, just be like, yo, we don't want you on the team. We'd rather have Drew Locke for whatever reason that you would, but you would. But he uses this guy, and like props him up like a straw man almost for, for him to, to keep this view that he's inclusive and all that. And I'm not saying he's not. But at the same time, like you can't, you know what I mean? Don't, don't, throw, don't throw stones if you live in the glass house. Like you've only done it on the defensive end. There's two sides of football. And because of coaches like you, Pete Carroll, who refuse to give – minority candidates a jobs on offense, we have to institute a rule where we have to hire women or minority candidates on offense. That's mandated now because of guys like you. So don't uh, don't talk about it, be about it. That's pretty much my whole my whole opinion on that. I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I've never really been a Pete Carroll fan at all. I think he's extremely overrated as a coach. Uh, he basically lost the Super Bowl single-handedly by himself. And I think he's one of those guys that just amazing talent carried him to success whether it be USC, Seattle, what have you. If you look at his record before he got the USC job, he wasn't very good in the league. So uh, I'm not really a fan. I'm just keeping it, keep it real. So Pete Carroll is my slime ball of the week. Uh, any thoughts on that, homie? Uh, no, that, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I just feel like, yeah, he has full control over his staff there in Seattle. And I, I don't know how diverse it is or isn't, but – um, I feel like most of the time when, you know, they show the sideline of Seattle games, it looks a lot like other sidelines, you know? Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't know if he's the guy to be like crying wolf about this or not crying wolf, but you know, like crying foul about this. Um, 
Yeah, just because you know you're you're like an old eighty year old white guy who's still holding on to your job. Like you know, it's it's just yeah, you're in a, you're in a glass house here. Now, if it was like, I don't know, if it was like Mike Tomlin or something saying this, you know, I it it would be a different conversation to me, quite frankly. But um, I, I definitely I, I feel you on that. Um, yeah, he's he can be a little all over the place, um, and and just tends to be a little. I don't know. He's just, he's just too. He talks too much. <laughs> he like just says way too much, um, like in interviews and stuff. And um, I don't know. I just think he needs to tone it down a notch. So I feel you on that one. And you lost your franchise. The fran the best player the franchise has ever had. You lost him because. To be real, he don't like you, Pete Carroll. <laughs> so, he doesn't like you. You refuse to change on offense. This, you know, let's play great defense and pound the ball. That don't work. You know why it don't work? Because you don't have the requisite pieces to do that. You don't have an elite running back. You don't have an elite defense anymore. Legion of Boom doesn't exist in Seattle anymore. You need to learn to change your scenario, your philosophy in football, and he refuses to do that. And because of that, luckily for, you know, Denver, homie, uh, Russell Wilson now plays for the Broncos because uh, Pete Carroll would rather stick to philosophy than you know adapt to a future Hall of Fame quarterback. But I mean, hey, what, what do I know, right? So <laughs> that's fun to get that in there too. But <laughs> it's pretty obvious that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are just like, I, I'm, he's like, I'm good on this guy. I'm getting out of here. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah that that was our slime ball of the week segment. We're gonna we're gonna close things out on a more positive note, and we're gonna each give our homies of the week real quick. Um, so I'll let you uh, kick this one off, Matt. Who's your yeah? Who's so your homies homie of the week? week. This is where we recognize somebody who we think is you know had a great game, done something, done something dope, something that we really want to give them some love for. So my homie of the week is a guy who had missed sixty eight games this year. And he has come back, and he has just kind of not really missed a beat. He's fit in well. He's been playing phenomenal defense so far. And he's a guy that his uh, his teammates have been really raving about him, and they just can't stop talking about how happy they are that he's back, what he means to the team, how successful he's going to continue to make them, and how integral part of the team that he is. And uh, I can see P. Moore is, is, is not in here. So uh, my homie of the week is Brooke the Hook Lopez. <laughs> yeah. So Brooke the Hook Lopez, uh, we're big fans. He was on our list of our top five favorite brothers in the league, which I actually they were too low. We'll have to do a re- we'll have to redo that next year or whenever we get another pair of brothers in the league because I I should have gave the Lopez more love. But uh Brooke Lopez, uh he's just been he missed he played the first game of the year and he missed 68 games after that, had back surgery. And he's just come in and been playing great defense ever since he got there. He's just I feel like Feel pretty confident in saying that if he had played the whole year, he would have been a candidate for uh, All NBA defense, especially second yeah, team at the very least. Sure. He's already been an All NBA defensive player a couple years ago, so I think that he is the type of guy that just makes Milwaukee so much better. And to hear his, it's not even something where just like guys like me and P Moore and you know people who just watch basketball, uh, who just you know enjoy the game and like to watch it, can see his teammates are just talking about Drew Holiday who we just talked about to one of the best, you know, defensive guards in the league, talking about, man, this guy just makes me better on defense because I don't have to worry about guys, you know, scoring easy at the basket because I know Brooks going to be there and he's a, you know, shot-blocking presence. Or he's just – when guys drive to the hole on him, he's just either going to block it 
or you're going to be like, no, I'm good. Or Giannis is going to come over and they're going to double you. You know what I mean? His help defense is really good. He's just a really he's just a really great defensive player and a really important piece. He's like the definition of one of those guys where that makes championship teams. You know what I mean? Like there's always those guys where you're like, well, they're not superstars, but they're really good players and they fit really well on the foundation of a team. And he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that you need that, that type of guy on your team. And he's he's been a really important player. And Yanis has been has been great stepping in for center, but I think him coming back was is amazing for Milwaukee. I think it's going to make them that much more formidable because I was I did have a little bit of a concern with them without him miss with him missing if he was going to get back. But I'm glad to see him coming back. And he had a great uh, he played last night. The, they destroyed the Bulls. The Bulls are just you know in free fall right now, unfortunately. But just his line, he was uh, 28 points, seven rebounds, and three blocks, two steals. And he was a plus eighteen, and uh-huh. plus minus when he was on the court. He was he was a leading scorer yesterday. Yanis had only nineteen. He had a slow game. He was out. He he missed a lot of the time. He pretty much sat out a whole quarter if you add up the minutes. So Rook was just balling yesterday. So I'm like, you know what? This guy had a great game. He's been playing good. You even texted me. You're like, Brook the hook's looking good, man, on defense. So after that game, that performance he put up last night that I watched, um, I'm like, you know what? It's time. So Brooke the Hook Lopez, you are my homie of the week. So yeah, Patrick, who is your homie of the week? Well, yeah, for, first just to address yours, I love it. Um, you know, it's one of those things where at his age, with with how big he is, you know, when you hear back surgery, you know that's scary, right? Like that's that you don't like to hear that in big men, at, at, especially at that age. Um, so to see him like just come back and it looks like not really miss a beat, even though it's been like 60 games or whatever. I mean, he went, he, he did play the first game of the season. So it's, it's really him coming back. Um, yeah. He's been a difference maker. I mean, he's just so smart on defense. Like he's really good positionally, like guarding the pick and roll. He knows exactly like where to position himself between the ball handler and between the screener um and and he like does this thing where he like crouches down really low when he's defending the pick and roll and then like they try to throw a lob above him and he'll just like extend and block it um so he's been awesome um i love it uh he's he's one of my favorite personalities in the league um and it's it's just interesting to see how he's evolved he was very much like an offense first low post scorer type of guy um when he played for brooklyn and now his yeah his his entire role has changed he's a stretch five he's a defensive anchor um so yeah it's just pretty cool um to give my homie of the week i'm gonna go with a pretty basic one here but i do just want to want to give it a shout out um i'm going with Aaliyah boston uh from uh the uh south carolina um Lady, they call them the Lady Gamecocks, not the late, or do they call them the Game Hens? Um, I don't <laughs> know just, what they they're call just, them. They're still the Gamecocks, they're not even the Lady Gamecocks, which is interesting to me. And side note, their mascot, who's hilarious, is named Cocky, which I think is pretty hilarious. <laughs> and he does this thing with his beak where he like lifts it up like an alligator and, and flaps it back and forth as like a celebration, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, we watched the title game, so congrats to uh. University of South Carolina and Aaliyah Boston, who's phenomenal. But I will let P. Moore do what he does. I just wanted to throw that in there right quick. 
Yeah, well, well, Aaliyah Boston is is the star um, player for the University of South Carolina women's basketball team who just won the Women's Nationals Championship. Um, and just a little background for our listeners. Last year, South Carolina was probably the consensus number one team in the league. Um, they were they were very highly touted. They ended up losing to Stanford in the final four um, and so didn't even make it to the finals. Um Aaliyah Boston, there was like a famous um, photo or video of her like crying on the court after they lost. It was a a pretty big upset. It was a big, um, exciting game. So there were a lot of emotions. Um, But she has had one hell of a revenge tour. I'll tell you what, because she was just named the Naismith um, or or the Wooden or either the Wooden or the Naismith um, College Player of the Year um, for the women's uh, game. Um, so she's the best player this season. She just won a national championship with, uh, you know, two days ago, um, or three days ago now. Um, and then she was the NCAA tournament's most outstanding player. So she's basically like swept all the major awards, came back after a really tough loss and just helped her team dominate and just powered away to a national championship. Um, it looks like she's not going to be coming out of college yet. She's going to stay, um, which is much more common um, for women to like stay in college for four years. So um, we won't get to see her in the WNBA for for a little while, but um, we'll get to keep watching her on South Carolina. But Aaliyah Boston's my homie of the week. Um, I, I thought you'd like that one because you 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 uh, you you seem to like the uh, South Carolina uh, women's team this year. Yeah, so great pick, homie. Uh, also, props to you for uh, and congratulations to University of Kansas for winning yeah. the national title game. Uh, P. Moore picked that one, so so love to you, homie. Uh, I picked. We both uh, had uh, UConn would be in the final. I I said I hope that South Carolina would win it, especially since coming so close last year. So I'm happy for them. Aaliyah Boston is just a great talent. Uh, I think she'll be without a doubt, the unanimous number one pick whenever she does come out. She's just that talented, that uh, skilled. And also just another shout-out to uh, another player on the, the Gamecocks, which is still weird for me to say. If it's a, I don't know why it's not the Game Hens, but whatever. Um, <laughs> as you said, the, the Lady Game Hens. Uh, Destiny Henderson is a baller, man. She was balling out in that, that championship game. And, um, yeah, but Aliyah, so I wanted to give her some love, too. But Aaliyah Boston's a double-double machine. She's just so talented. And, uh, yeah, for her to miss the game-winning putback last year to so they didn't go to the championship game to just coming back and dominating the entire sport of women's college basketball, very impressive. So congrats to her, University of South Carolina, Gamecocks women's basketball team, and another quick one, just uh, like we said, University of Kansas men's basketball team, biggest comeback in NCAA history from a championship game. So congrats to them as well. So really, yeah. uh, really fun, uh, fun stories and uh, good pick, homie. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I, you know, me and you were both talking. The women's college game is so, so fun. Um, really good fundamentals. They just, they, they play really aesthetically, I think, aesthetic 
aesthetically beautiful basketball. Um, and so I always love tuning in, um, you know, taking a little break from NBA and, and watching that. It's just, it, it, it's a different game for sure, but it's really, really fun and entertaining and really cool to watch in its own right. And, um, yeah, but, but yeah, I'm glad we, we both have some, some homies to, uh, nominate, maybe work their way towards the hall of homies someday if they're lucky. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been it for this episode of the Helmets, Hoops and Homies podcast. Um, thank you listeners as always for tuning in. Um, you know, we, we, we hope you enjoy the show. Um, and if not, uh, sorry, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, homie, any parting words for our, our, our listeners and friends out there? Uh, same as always, appreciate you to the listeners. We we it means a lot to us for you to check us out for any amount of time. Um, we just love doing what we do, and we're happy that we have anybody to talk about, uh, anybody to listen to us talk about this stuff that we love. And we will have a very special episode for our next episode coming up. We're going to have some special guests on that one. So we'll be back soon. But uh, thank you to listeners, and it's always fun talking uh, hopes, homie with you so we'll do it again very soon yeah yep tune in everyone we'll have a, a an episode dropping a little earlier than usual so um yeah tune in and that that'll be really fun but i don't want to spoil anything so great talking with you homie hope you have a good night um and we'll uh we'll we'll touch base soon appreciate you you too my guy all right peace out homie all right later